back to detroit strange this podcast this holly jolly podcast heading straight to your ear holes <laughs> i have a holly jolly podcast it's the best one you're listening to currently <laughs> yep <laughs> say hello to someone you know from six feet away and don't you get any closer ew <laughs> that was for the the getting closer yeah yeah that's it's gross right now yeah um so happy holidays merry christmas times it is Mm -hmm. you know getting to be that time of year i think this comes out on the 23rd Mm -hmm. yep it's that time of year where i realize even though i've felt ahead of getting stuff ready to like send to people and whatnot that i haven't and that it will probably be late that's i mean it's the thought that counts and like Mail is mail times hard this year because everyone's mailing shit. So I just think, oh my god, I sent it in time. It must have gotten delayed. It was go- definitely gonna be there in time. Oh no, I'm pretty sure my family expects it for me. <laughs> I come from a family that's not always ahead of things, uh-huh. and I mean, as far as like my nuclear family, yeah, and. My aunt always said that they would, you know, get together because they all lived in Arizona and yeah. such. And they would all get together and on like Christmas or Christmas Eve, it didn't even matter. And all of a sudden there'd be a knock at the door and it'd be the postman with the gifts coming from our household to them. <laughs> <laughs> never early. Never early. Always. Of course. Day of. On time. Yeah. I mean. Uh-huh. That's the magic of Christmas. The presents get the day of. Uh-huh. That's Christmas magic. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm calling it. Yeah. I have more like New Year's Eve magic. <laughs> that makes sense. It's your yeah. birthday. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. I know. I, like, one of my mom's gifts is like a custom thing, like from Shutterfly. Aw, cute. And I was so excited about it. And then, like, I ordered it two days after I ordered something for my sister. Mm-hmm. But I think for my sister came, like, a couple days later. And this one was like, it'll be ready mid-January. I'm like, fuck. So, I'm like, well, it's nice and I got a good deal. I'm going to still order it. But I'm going to be sad when it doesn't show up until, like, January 7th. But I'm like, you know what? My mom needs things to do. Did so. you get, like, a little... Do they send, like, a little preview picture or anything like that? Yeah, I figure I'll at least show her the... Pre- like, I got her something else, too, but, like... Mm-hmm. It was just a bummer, because this is, like, the sentimental, like... Yeah. Very Christmassy of the Christmas gifts. And it won't be here till January 7th, but, like... Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll have a Christmas miracle. It'll come just in time. But if not, I'm just gonna show her a picture, and she's gonna love it. I mean, that's okay. I'm getting my parents an IOU uh, for a really great gift. That I'm yes. super excited because the other thing is, so they just moved and everything. They don't need more stuff. Oh, definitely. And I found them something that will be genuinely like they, they will dig it. They will dig yeah. it. 
I can't say it because sometimes they think they listen. Yeah. But the second I can afford it, get this gift so hard for them. That'll be nice. And maybe too, like, the world have been opened up a little bit so you can give it to them in person, maybe, you know? It's not really an in-person gift anyway. It's a... um, That's fair. It's a thing that they... You you just... You get. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Like, once you have it, you just have it. Okay. I can tell you about it right now if you want me to cut it. Sure. Oh, that's such a great gift. I know. That's so great. You have to. I might. It like it is such a thing of like talking about either what you got someone to them or to someone else without actually saying it. Cause like Yeah. I love giving the least helpful hints about something. I'm like, I got it on eBay. <laughs> the least helpful like information ever. That's like mm-hmm. I got it on Amazon. Literally could be anything. And then just letting them stew in curiosity. A fun clue for that would be like, someone I know has something similar. <laughs> yes. Because I feel like that could potentially be an actual, I mean, it could definitely be an actual clue, but it, it could potentially. Just still so vague. Cause somebody to try and figure it out, but yeah. it's so vague they really shouldn't. Oh, definitely. No, I love doing that kind of thing of just like being nice and getting them a gift, but also kind of torturing them a little bit and being like, oh, you're going to love it. It's something mm-hmm. that wasn't even on your radar. Yeah. You know what it is, but you don't. And it's kind of yeah. just like, what is it? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm just, I'm excited because after Christmas Eve, after that, I'm done for the year. So I just got to make it through Thursday. Absolutely lovely. And it's like the most time I've had off since like July of 2019. So I'm very excited. Wow. Congrats. That's yeah. wonderful. I'm very excited. Yeah, I know a few people doing that this year, and I think it's it's a good time for it for sure because it's been such a wild time, we'll say. And right, yeah. and just to, like recharge, recoup. Yeah, last year at my job, <laughs> it was like a freaking ghost town that week. Yeah, it's weird because so many people take it off, then you can't really do a lot of work. I mean, depending on the job you do, but yeah, it's just kind of weird. Like, I feel like companies need to realize if like. Over half of the workforce is taking it off. Maybe you should just give it as holiday time or something, or I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. well, we don't. We already don't give enough holiday time in oh, the sure. U.S. society anyway. So yeah, that would be ideal. But there's money to make. But there's not that week. It's such a wasted week. Yeah. Yes, in some job fields, that's not the case. But in a lot of in corporate America in general, it's very much the case, from what I understand. Yeah. So why waste the twiddle time? your thumb kind of week? Stop right. wasting time, America. Right. Not my time. I want my time mm. back. Yeah, exactly. Um, call Maxine Waters. I am reclaiming my time. I would like her help reclaiming it. Who's Maxine Waters? Who is Maxine Waters? Congresswoman Maxine Waters. She was oh. the one who was like reclaiming my time, reclaiming my time. Like she okay. is like this is bullshit. I'm not having it. I want my time back. Yes. No. Fair. I was like, is that, is that a movie person? Like, I thought no. it was a character for some yeah, reason. Yeah. Oh no. I, I mean, yeah, why. definitely the name I'm Maxine. Dumb. You don't hear for no, no. Like the, the name Maxine's not one you hear very often. It's kind of like Sally, where like, yes, real Sallys exist, but most time you hear it as like an improv name. I feel like. Yeah. Like, oh, Sally, come on, get off the swing set, like. 
Or ride Sally Ride. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or Sally Ride. One of my favorite topics. They sent her up into space with 100 tampons for yeah a week. They didn't know. They really didn't. And they didn't no. ask. That's the other no. part of that. They didn't ask. Right. Like these smart scientific minds just have no idea. If they're heterosexual, I feel sorry for their wives. <laughs> because you know they're not getting it good. No. No. Well, they're not asking the right questions. That's for darn sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's not how Houston makes a landing. It's the ocean of the motion. <laughs> yes. That's all. Uh, I'm out of space metaphors. Those are some good ones, though. I appreciate them. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So you know how, like, my three things I don't fuck with. Let's see. Yeah. Can you name them? Uh, space, superheroes. Ba -na 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 -na, ba -na -na -na. Oh, di uh, dinosaurs. Yes. TJ got me to watch a space show on Netflix, and I kind of liked it. What? Which one? Alien Worlds. Have you ever heard of it? Nope. <laughs> uh, I don't even kinda, know why I asked. I like, yeah, it was something that like I never would have picked for myself, but it's interesting because it's kind of like they like basically like ask a what if situation about planets, about like if there's planets in our galaxy, like what if there's a planet that rotated or like re revolved around two stars instead of one? And like, okay, then our, our apply like our real world science thought experiment of like what if a planet did this and then they have animation of what that planet might look like okay so it's like science based not yeah like so it's not like based. complete sci-fi yeah. it's like here's what could have happened if like earth had been this way or like i've only watched like one and a half episodes but it's an interesting show i think you do fuck with space now then because that's I like know. i know non-fictional I blame that and Sailor Moon. Fair. It's just like space freaks me out. Oh, it's it's scary. It's yeah. so much. But yeah, okay. it's too much. I couldn't possibly. You don't have to. That's I'm the good news. I'm dipping my toes in it slowly. Just slowly dipping a toe in. That's like, fair. Ooh, how's the space? Is the water warm? No, because there is mm -hmm. no water. <laughs> totally That's a space fair. thing. Well, nice. Yeah. I forgot to ask, how is that Peppermint Patty White Claw, or not White Claw, Bud Light Seltzer? Yes, thank you for choosing what I should drink. Um, it's not yeah. great. It's not great? <laughs> I think it's because there's like a chocolate, you know, like fake chocolate flavor. Like it's like a Tootsie oh, Roll chocolate, no. but not a Tootsie mm. Roll. Like it's like that kind of. Tootsie Roll is the only acceptable form of fake chocolate. And it's not even that good. Like they should have just been mint. Candy cane, yeah. Yeah. I would have drank like, a mint be one. Refreshing. Yeah. I just wanted, I was interested in what it was going to taste like. I think you should switch to the cranberry now if it's not the vibe. Luckily, I have that open already. Because I had a feeling. Thank goodness. Because I was worried about the chocolate. I didn't know what the flavors actually were because I didn't read it. I was just like, holiday pack, yes. Oh, you know what I love that comes out around this time of year that like is only a this time of year thing? Hmm. The like cranberry 7-Up. Oh, I've never had it. Or like they do cranberry ginger ales and like cranberry seven up or like cherry mm -hmm. seven up. Yeah. Just both chef's kisses delicious. <laughs> the, I think the cranberry ginger ale is really good with vodka. It's like a vodka cran and a mm -hmm. ginger ale and vodka in the same. Mm -hmm. Highly recommend. 
Do you have any like this time of year like holiday exclusives that are only around this time of year? As far as uh, beverages, or just like anything, like my other one's peppermint bark. I love peppermint bark. Oh, peppermint ice cream, the pink one. Oh yeah, with the little pieces. They're yeah. they're kind of mushy because they've been singing the ice cream, but then in the middle they're not mushy. But it's it's always like a super um, I hate the word, but it's always a super creamy ice cream too. Oh yeah, yeah. I I love the pink one though, not 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 the white one with the red. Oh, and green. it's gotta no, be it's the okay. pink one. I love the pink one though. Yeah, I don't know why it tastes different, but it does. It's like fluffier for some reason. Oh, that'd be good in like a Swiss roll kind of cake. Yes. Like also, that sounds messy to make though. <laughs> They can be. I know, like, my mom has a decent recipe. I'm in. I mean, like, if somebody makes that, I am full into that. Maybe I'll ask her for the recipe, because mm-hmm. that does sound good. Because, like, I really, this year, I didn't do a lot of baking cookies-wise. I made, like, those Kiss cookies. And I was, like, thinking about making gingerbread, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I made hot cocoa bombs. They turned out pretty Lucky. good. I did find one that had a like a a paint bristle stuck a paint bristle stuck in it. That's okay. Because I um used a marinade brush to paint the chocolate into the molds and the chocolate yeah. it could not handle the tension and ripped them <laughs> right out. So also shout out to Jerry who he made me a sweet Detroit strain charcuterie board, but I gave him some hot cocoa bombs awesome. as a thank you. So if you find any bristles in your hot cocoa bombs, I am sorry. <laughs> Putting that out there now. That's that's totally fair. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, are you sipping on anything? I'm just having a cup of coffee with um, Mm, peppermint mocha coffee, my my one true weakness, I've decided. No, that's lovely. I love that. Would you like to hear a story? I would love to hear a story. Okay. Have you ever heard of the Paquette plant? I have. It is an old Ford plant uh, museum now, but we're going to start with a little bit more history. And we are, while I don't condone everything about Henry Ford, he did have some lovely quotes. So I'm going to start with a quote by Ford. Yes. Failure is only the opportunity more intelligently to begin again. Okay. And I start with this because Ford had two failed automobile companies before convincing a board of investors to start Ford Motor Company with him. Mm-hmm. Luckily for him, though, he actually had success as an auto racer. This had built a winning reputation for him. So that's probably why they agreed to it, even though he had two failed yeah. previous companies. Like this note, this dude knows motors. He races them. Yeah. So and we're talking, this is the early 1900s. He's like in his early 40s at this point, which I always love kind of these like late start success stories because I'm hoping yeah. that will happen for me. And you're going to be the next Henry Ford. Yeah. I can feel it. Can we? No. Mm. Eh. Yeah. Mm. 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 Just the good parts. He also said, you can't build a reputation on what you're going to do. I I like that. Good point. Yeah. So Henry Ford Motor Company was founded on June 16th in 1903. And Henry Ford himself invested no money into the company. Smart. Yeah. But he was nominated vp which is pretty good to become vice president with no money down yeah also weird though that in a company named after you you're not president yeah i was just thinking that yeah it's weird that they okay yeah yeah i don't 
I don't have a lot of information about that specific thing. These are just things I was thinking while I was no, reading definitely. this stuff. So at first they rented a space on Mac Avenue for production, but quickly grew out of it. And in 1904, so less than a year, I think it was like 10 months after the Ford Motor Company was launched, they purchased a 3.11 acre site for $23,500, roughly $665,000, no, six, yeah, $665,000 in today's money. Dang. Yeah. And a day after the purchase, the board of directors put John Dodge, another one of the board members, and Henry Ford to serve as a committee in charge of the planning construction of the first dedicated Ford plant facility. Nice. Is that one of the Dodge brothers, Dodge? I think it is. Because I think Dodge came after Ford. I didn't. I'm not going to lie. I didn't put in the research yeah. on this aspect of it. Uh, Nobody cares that much about the Dodges. They have a house. Yeah. Go look at it if you're I that know, interested. I was, they have a house and they were rich. I know um, uh, Lottie the Body went to their summer home once. Ooh. The plant was to be built by a firm called Field, Hinchman, and Smith. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I think they're the ones who did um, the cast building. Because I think okay. they talked about that the Hecker one. How they just know it's the Smith group now. Okay. Yes, yes, I yes. I, I vaguely Unconfirmed remember that. Unconfirmed so callback. Yes. <laughs> yes. They were instructed not to exceed, or so Ford and Dodge were instructed not to exceed spending $76,500, which is over $2 million in today's money, uh, during the construction period on everything, which, of course, they did. In the end, they had to cut a few things out of the last plans. However, it was a state-of-the-art facility. I would hope so. Yeah. They're going to over-budget. It better be nice. (laughs) Part of the reason is that in March in... March of 1901, there was actually a terrible fire that destroyed the old Olds Motor Works factory in Detroit. So a lot of people knew about this fire. This is only mm, a few years later. Tragic fire. Tragic fire mm-hmm. that benefited someone else. I wonder if it was an accident. Hmm, sorry. Just throwing things out there. <laughs> I mean, I don't. it benefited them in learning from their mistake. Conspiracy. <laughs> I don't know that I... <laughs> I'm starting arson rumors. But by the time the Paquette plant was being built, they weren't going to take any chances because of that. And instead, they installed fire a fire sprinkler system, firewalls, fire doors, and fire escapes. Sprinklers at that time were actually a very rare feature. I mean, it makes sense because they they were probably pretty new still. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know if you've ever read this. This is a real terrible tragedy about the um, Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like, that's the first thing that popped in my head for some reason because tragedy it's a terrible story yeah Yeah. uh so when it first opened it featured a large victorian style brick and it was modeled after new england textile mills oddly enough (laughs) it had we're modeling after everything except for the fire system yeah it had three stories 355 windows because there was no industrial lighting at this point in time which is actually why most factories were really really long because they could put windows on both sides and light it up from outside. That makes sense. Yeah, I know. I was like, I never thought about that. But you always do see those like really long yeah. factory photos. Long um, boys, as they called them back in the day. Sure did. Yep. <laughs> uh, it also featured maple floors, two elevator stairwell combinations, and covered 67,000 square feet. Damn, that's big. Yeah. And, of course, construction took a little longer than expected. 
and it went through the summer of 1904. Okay. So after the, the construction of the plant, they didn't stop. New buildings were being added west of the factory to help with parts of production. Uh, the neighborhood was known is known as Milwaukee Junction, which I've never thought about it before, but why Milwaukee? Yeah, I like every once in a while you'll hear that name pop up and I'm like, mm-hmm. why? Well, because one of the uh, queue line stops, I believe, is Milwaukee Junction. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think the mm-hmm. one kind of over by um, in right New there. Center. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that I mean, that's the area that the Paquette yeah, plant yeah, yeah. is. Right, it's really I used to work over there. It's really close to the Paquette plant, too. So I found a reason that it was called that. In 1858, it was the intersection of two railroad lines, the Detroit-Milwaukee and the Chicago-Detroit-Canada. Okay. Yeah. So it was a great spot for manufacturing. It made it really easy to ship goods with really good railroad access. And it was a hub for emerging industry around the turn of the century because of it. Makes sense. Yeah. So perfect spot. So Henry Ford, his wife, Clara, and their son, Edsel, lived nearby around the time the plant opened. I think Edsel was like 10. Mm -hmm. And Henry would walk or bike to the factory, often bringing Edsel with him. It was noted in a few places that Edsel, Edsel would often ride his bike around the factory as he spent a lot of time there. And employees would even stop and like help him fix up his bike and stuff when needed. That's but yeah, funny. he would like ride around ringing a little bell and just being like, we I'm 10 in a factory. Right. <laughs> just, so, you know, doing 10 year old stuff. Maybe he had a hoop yeah. and a stick. The kids loved hoops and sticks back then. They did. And tin cans. They loved to kick the can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did that at the beginning of the pandemic. Kick a can. Yep. Lisa needed her bike repaired and we were waiting outside because you don't go in places. Yeah. And I was like, I'm gonna play I'm gonna play kick the can while we wait. It's a classic. Oh gee. (laughs) Gee whiz. (laughs) So just to give you a picture of the space when it opened in 1904, walking in on the first floor, you'd see mostly offices. There would be the business offices, sales offices, purchasing. And then the office of the company business manager, James Cousins. Henry Ford put his office on the second floor closer to the actual action, but was rarely ever in there because he was kind of a out and about type person. Busy body. Busy body yeah. around. Yeah. I mean, very hard worker, just like yeah. involved. And across the hall, there was a office for one of the engineers named Ed Spider Huff. OK. We'll talk about him in a little bit. 1905, they were the fourth largest car producer in the U.S. behind Cadillac, Rambler, and Oldsmobile. Okay. Just so you know, Ford was an advocate of building simpler, less expensive cars. I think that's kind of a known thing. Yeah. Basically thinking, you know, the the smaller the profit, but the more sales, you're going to get a better profit. And it's it's good for people. However, he actually originally was at odds with other board members because at this point he's vice president, including the president. Mm-hmm. In April of 1906, they introduced the Model K, a large, expensive car. Mm-hmm. Each ind- individual one sold would yield a much higher profit, but you can't sell as many. The right. car cost, yeah, the car cost two thousand five hundred dollars, or about seventy one thousand dollars in today's money. That's a lot. That's like a that's like a high end SUV with everything. Yeah, loaded, fully loaded, fully loaded, Mama. <laughs> mm-hmm. Model K. K stands for cash. <laughs> you gotta have it. Yep. Uh, however, after a series of events, Henry Ford bought out the leader of the big car is the way proponents. Mm-hmm. And he became president of the company. 
So he had a little more sway. Good. He was on track for making simpler, less expensive vehicles. By the end of 1906, they had created an affordable vehicle called the Model N and shipped out 2,194 of them to dealers around the country, which sounds very small, but you have to remember when this was. Yeah. And at the time, that was like a huge deal. Yeah, that's a lot of cars. Yeah. But he still wanted to do a little bit better. And he conducted brainstorming with a select group of people in one of my favorite parts to read about in the plant. And January of 1907, a room was open that was referred to as the, quote, secret experiment room. Oh, no. Yes. Only seven staff members were allowed in the room. Ford was the only one allowed in that was over 40. Most of them were in their 20s. Okay. The spa- Not that that's important, but it's kind of weird. Yeah. I was like, anybody can be good at helping in this capacity, but for some reason, that was just how it was. Yeah. The space was used to design the next generation of the Model N car. What they first came up with was the Model R, S, and then the infamous Model, do you know what letter? Uh, 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 seven. Yep. Model seven. <laughs> Model <Yes>. T. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, this is not a car podcast, which is why I was like, I think that's why I didn't think about doing this space before. But I mean, it's an important part. It's very on the Detroit side of things because we are, as many of you have probably heard, the Motor City. What? Yeah, Detroit. (laughs) She's called the Motor City sometimes because motors came from here. Usually in cars. Yeah. (laughs) We needed, we needed something to make Motown make sense. So we just decided to do this whole car thing like a couple of years before that. <laughs> just just a few years. Yeah, we're like, we need something to name music after. I guess we'll try cars. Um, so the super secret experiment room, it featured on one side of it, basically like drafting areas. So I'm assuming like a drafting table and all that. Yeah. And then on the other side was some machinery so they could do like prototype things, a chalkboard and a rocking chair that Ford had gotten from his mother so he could sit and think and rock. Yes. And he was he about 44. He rock out with his thoughts. Yes. So remember I mentioned Ed, quote, Spider Huff? Yes. I just needed, I wanted to find, I couldn't find that much information on him. I really wish I could. So if anybody has any information, I'm fascinated. But he was a Ford engineer. So one of the seven lucky men allowed in this super secret room. And he was also known as a little bit, let's say, fanatical or unbalanced, possibly. Okay. And he was, quote, from one of the articles I read, a hard-drinking rabble-rouser. As one is. Who would often go on benders and disappear for days. As one does. (laughs) He also went racing with Ford often. And... When I say he would go racing with Ford, what I mean is he would hang off the side of the race car in order to counterbalance the weight of the vehicle while racing. You know, cars, they weren't safe to begin with. They definitely were fast, but mm-hmm. safe. That was an afterthought. Especially race cars. <laughs> yeah. I looked up some of the pictures. There's like no sides, basically. Sides are weight and weight's slow. They mm-hmm. just needed feathers and a motor. Okay, so, but my favorite, favorite's a weird word. One thing he did <laughs> was one time he got drunk and crashed a boat into the main dock at the Detroit Yacht Club. As we all have done. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> 
You get drunk, you go on a bender, you find a boat, you crash it into the Detroit Yacht Club. A classic Detroit story. You know, just a regular Tuesday afternoon. Right. The modern day equivalent is you use a bird scooter. (laughs) Ain't that the truth? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But he was actually one of the engineers who led to the helped lead to the creation of the Model T, which would kind of change the auto industry. Yeah. Forever. I would agree. So, yeah. And I mean, I appreciate having a car. Yeah. Cars are fun. I mean, I don't actually like driving. I don't. It's fine. It, I'm the kind of the same way. But if I have the chance to not drive, I will always choose passenger. Same. I will mm-hmm. almost always choose passenger unless it's like someone that I like. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, you know what? Maybe it's better if I drive. And like, you know, if I'm saying that, that they're probably a real bad driver. Because <laughs> like, I know I'm not the best. I will say, though, once in a great while, I will just want to go drive. But it's not because I want to drive. It's just to leave the house. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no, definitely. I've done that a couple times like this year just because of everything where I'm just like, but I'll always choose like one bigger ish road and just go down it until I feel like turning around. Yeah. Just wandering. Yeah. So in 1908, just a few months prior to the introduction of the Model T, though, a few employees actually began experimenting with what would later become the assembly line. I heard of her. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they were under the guidance of the superintendent and his assistant, which I thought was interesting because I always knew that it was developed. I thought it was developed by Ford, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and that in the other facility, which we'll talk about in a second, the Highland Park one. So it, it was just interesting because I was like, oh, it's like under him, basically. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It was never put into action at the Paquette plant. It was the beginnings, though, of what would be implemented in the next plant at Highland Park, like I just mentioned. Yeah. And that would also start construction in 1908, because at this time, they're selling more and more to get a little bit better. Their facilities aren't big enough, which is funny because when they first opened, one of the employees said, we'll never be able to fill this space. Yeah. Uh, Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. The assembly line was put into full use by 1913 uh, at the Highland Park plant. Okay. By spring of 1908, though, we're going to go back to them. The first of the Model Ts were being built for testing, and Ford was happy as a clam about it, as they say. Yeah. So I have a a quick section called the T on the Model T. Yes. None of it's like legit tea, but it's like, you know, it's like a breakfast tea. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty mild. So they were the, the benefits of them is they were for a vehicle, very lightweight, which a lot of vehicles were very like heavy irons and things like that. They were inexpensive. They were easy to drive, easy to repair, which that one's huge. Yeah. Uh, they seated five. And best of all, they had they were built with flexible materials in the chassis. So like they could actually hold up on bad roads, whereas like the okay. other ones made of like iron and stuff like that they they wouldn't bend and flex yeah because it sounds like it, at first i was like well wouldn't you want like heavy material but after i started thinking about it, it was like no that would like rattle apart on on bad roads yeah yeah so basically um it could handle the uneven terrain which is good yeah the first twelve thousand were made in the paquette plant they sold for 825 dollars so about twenty three thousand three hundred forty thousand. in today's money. Okay. It's pretty like average entry level car, I feel like. Yeah. They they actually though for 
being known for being like the car that kind of took off. They actually weren't the cheapest car that Ford had yeah. made, though. That one was the Model N at six hundred dollars. So, which I just I thought it was the first time they made a cheap car. I was wrong. Yeah. The more you know. <laughs> the more you know. Uh, they were declared the car of the century in 1999 by an international jury of auto experts, which I'm like, real Ooh. creative pick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the biggest thing is, well, one of the biggest things is it didn't require a battery to ignite the gasoline because you got to make that gas batteries. go. Yeah. And no, they had batteries. They did? Yeah. But they were okay. annoying because they would like run low and stuff. They probably weren't as um charged yeah. or big or whatever. They but definitely other... weren't lithium ion. No. They were too busy putting all the lithium and seven up at that time. <laughs> yeah. So then you'd have to like replace and stuff too. And I think it had to happen, I'm guessing, more often. Yeah. And other some companies had come up with what was called was a mag magneto or magneto. So something to do with magnets. I'm like, this is where my Again, not lack a of yeah, engineering not a knowledge. Podcast. Yeah. But other companies would place this under the hood by the engine's crankshaft. So basically, like when they were cranked to start up the car, that would get the magneto going. Mm-hmm. But Ford actually used the engine's flywheel, which is something that was turning anyway. So it wasn't like a, a crank start necessarily. It was just something that went on its own to help start the car. So people really liked that because it, it was like ease. Yeah. Almost like automatic start or something. <laughs> I don't like know. Nobody wants to like freaking clown car their car to start. Like, you know, you put the giant key in the back of it, you'd wind it up and then just you and your 17 friends get in the tiny ass car and drive away. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but this also led to them hiring a staff of women to help put the mechanism together. Ooh. And they were known as the Magneto girls. Ooh. In the words of one of the former plant managers, girls are much more efficient of this sort of job than men. Greatly to their credit, as I conceive, men get very bored with such fiddling and repetitive work, and so do it badly. Girls cost less and do the job better. Um, I don't know if I'm like offended or like. I they don't cost know less I because you're paying them less. Let's not yeah. say they cost less. It's just you can get yeah. away with paying them less. Yeah. Again, I this is a hundred and oh one hundred percent or whatever, but like. Mm. Mm. yeah (laughs) like the nerve yeah this was also the first factory to produce 100 cars in a day again kind of a big deal yeah Uh, i read somewhere too it was talking about i think it was with the model t like at at first in october they had like 67 cars made in a month which that was a big deal then they went up to 200 a month by december and actually it um Oh, no, one of my facts moved. Oh, no, it's right there in <laughs> front of my face. By 1909, the demand for Model T was so overwhelming, they had to stop taking orders for two months. Damn. Mm-hmm. But luckily, they had already started production on the Highland Park plant down the street, and they moved there by January of 1910. Nice. And again, by 1913, they had an assembly line up and running. Nice. Yeah. So they could sell those Model Ts like hotcakes. They were the yeah. iPhone 12s. Of 1912. <laughs> yes. Uh, by 1911, Studebaker bought the plant and tore apart Henry Ford's second floor office. So it was gone. Damn. And they would end up selling the space to Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing Company, otherwise known as 3M. 3M. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, at that time, they were producing rubber auto parts and non-adhesive paper tape, which I read that several times because I was like, non-adhesive paper tape. Yeah. L- uh, huh? What? I know they eventually made post-its. Maybe it was like the post-it prototype. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. This but in Romy a- and Michelle, they do talk about the invention of the post-it. And it was by Janine Groffalo characters. Somebody she went to business school with. So <laughs> I need to rewatch that movie. I've seen it once and it's That's been a minute. And like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'd appreciate it more if I saw it again. Cause I like yeah. liked it the first time, but like, I feel like with more repetition, I would love it. Cause I mean, Lisa Kudrow. It, queen. Yes. And it, every time that I see with them and Alan coming, just, Oh my gosh. Yes. Time after time. Yes. Time after time. just beautiful yeah (laughs) so anyway uh 3m they had it until 1968 when it would be sold to the cadillac overall company a work clothing supplier okay uh heritage investments bought it in 1989 and remain owners until 2000 in April of 2000, the Model T Automotive Heritage Complex, a nonprofit, purchased the building and converted it to a museum, which opened July 27, 2001. Nice. They get roughly about 30,000 visitors annually as of a few years ago. They have over 40 early automobiles built within the city of Detroit. Obviously, a lot of Ford, but other manufacturers as well. Yeah. Uh, recreations of rooms. So like the secret experiment room, Ford's office and others. Oh, and the oldest surviving example of the Model T that was built in December of 1908. Nice. Yeah. So a couple things just to know about the recreations. Like I said, they did the secret experiment room, which they had to like totally do all this research. They had to find like a, they had to find somebody to make nails. Like the nails would like a blacksmith to make nails like they would have had back then. They yeah. like measured what you could see stuff in the ceiling where the walls had been because some of the walls were again yeah. down from the renovations at this point. They like did all their research to make it as close to it, what it was as humanly possible. They even found an old engine thing that like would have been in there, like the same exact type of engine that they would have been, you know, working on and stuff. They found a rocking chair very similar to the one that Henry Ford had put in there. His office was also recreated with things like a telescope because he was an avid bird watcher. That was kind of his like little side hobby. Also, um, yeah. Also like a big long, I think it was leather couch because he took a lot of naps because he worked real hard. Yeah. And also a very messy desk because apparently Henry Ford had a super messy desk. I believe it. papers and piles everywhere. They were his employers were like tidying up after him all the time. One time his wife actually found a $75,000 check in his pocket in his laundry. Classic problems. <laughs> where did I put where did I put that $75,000 check? Where did I leave that? It was not that important to me. I just left it laying around somewhere. Did Most I use it as a napkin? It. <laughs> right. Yeah. Rich rich. So they recreated that as well. So, um, I love it. Sorry, I love a good restoration. Like, they, yeah, I love they need to, like, it's something you can't just half ass if we've seen time and time again out of Spain art restorations. They just need to stop touching their paintings in Spain. Yes, yes. they Agreed. always end up looking like potato, like potato mutant people. Yes, just like stop. It's it's fine, just don't touch it. 
Spain, don't touch it. Put the paintbrush down, Spain. Yes, exactly. Sorry. No, Keep but they stories they from did, them, and I'm like, stop. That's okay. They yeah. did the opposite here, though. Luckily, it seems yeah, like they goodness. did their research, and yeah, there's quite a few YouTube videos. I've also heard very, very good things about the tours there. I used to, I used to work nearby, and I heard, I saw a lot of visitors from the museum at work, and they loved it. And it's a pretty, I think it's like 15 bucks a person or something. It's very relatively low for, yeah. for like a tour. It's making me want to go to a museum so bad. I was just thinking about how much I miss museums. As of Halloween this year, there was a paranormal with the, I think it was the Detroit Paranormal Ooh. Expedition people. Paranormal there's tour. There's some ooky spookies? So there's some ooky spookies. Ooh, some ooky yeah. spookies. Ooh. Real quick though, I did forget to this say, it. it's also in dedicated Motor City's National Heritage Area, 1996. Uh, U.S. National Register of Historic Places. We love her. 2002. Michigan State Historic Site, 2003. U.S. Historic District Contributing Property, 2004. And U.S. National Historical Landmark, 2006. Nice. Yeah. But now the... And I accidentally wrote the cookies and the spookies. Cookies and the spookies? (laughs) Cookie spooky? I must be thinking about all the things I have to bake in the next few days. Um, Not have to. Want to. Want to adjacent. Want to. I get... Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's like things that yeah. you want to do, but they have to get done. I want them to already be done, but I want to do it. Yes. Yeah. No, I get <laughs> But you. I don't want to do it now. Yes. So, yes. To the cookies and spookies. <laughs> yes. Uh, in a Detroit Free Press article that I read, a man named Jeff Pollock, who he's been like a museum worker for about 10 years or so, worked in several different places, tells a story. In which he was alone on the third floor turning off the lights after a wedding reception. Because there's a lot of those held there. It's a beautiful space. And suddenly he heard like a large slam. Oh, no. So, of course, he inspected. He looked around and he found that a fire door that weighs about 500 pounds had fallen. Oh, my gosh. Somehow the rope mechanism that holds it had been loosened. Which... At first, you're like, okay, 500 pounds, that sounds heavy. So, like, yes, this is very plausible that it just happened on its own. But I th- I got the feeling that this is not something that happens on the regular. And also, if a rope is holding this door open regularly, the system it's not for like it going has to be somewhere good. And tear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it has to be, like, well done. <laughs> um, right. Like, this wasn't a half-assed thing. It's a 500-pound door. They put some thought into this. Yeah. For it just to spontaneously break. Yeah, exactly. So he thought it might have been like a coworker, but he asked the few of them that were around. They swore it wasn't them. So he has no reason. He's not saying it's anything, but also it was It was suspicious. Sus, as the kids are saying. It was sus. So sus. Very sus. Uh, The most frequent reporting is actually by female employees. Many of them feel if they are being watched or that there is something in the room with them. And a lot of them think that that's possibly the Magneto girls watching over them. Love that. Or Magneto. Whatever. Either one. Uh, so remember the telescope I had mentioned was in his office? Bird watcher? Yes. For the bird watching. Or yes. anthology. Ooh, he's yes. got words. So like I said, they bought one. But they bought like a legit old... Like again, everything is as authentic as it could be. Like time period yeah. wise too. So this is an older telescope. Generally speaking, they're made of metal. Uh, a little bit heavier and there's one of them in the office again yeah so staff at night will leave the telescope facing downward kind of like just towards the room or whatever 
and they will come back the next day to find it usually facing towards the window. Ooh. This has happened consistently over the past seven years. Old Henry just wants a peek. Yeah, and I say seven years because that's when they read it. They, they didn't open the museum and have these spaces redone. Most of these recreations right. are in the past, like, few to seven years. I think the newest one is only, like, three years old. The secret okay. room, I think. Yeah. As I mentioned, Ford was also known for having a very messy desk, people mm-hmm. cleaning up after him. And when his office was recreated was the chaotic mess. So they, like, staged it, you know, to look messy. Yeah. But after a few days, it was mysteriously tidied up. Again, the Magneto girls? Well, actually, I blame the butler because remember how we talked about his house and how some people have seen an apparition there and it cleans, it's even cleaned up after people? Like it's swept? Oh, you think maybe he fell into the office? I don't know. I mean, I feel like what would confine a entity to just one space? That's true. Like maybe you he can travel back and forth. I mean, he was like, yeah. I don't think he was his butler at the time that this place was open because I don't think he lived in the Dearborn house yet, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It yeah. just reminded me of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like that. I like the theory. Yeah. Uh, remember. So we're going to go back to the secret room. It's it's viewable by all, but the way you can't like go into it right now, you can kind of just like see what it would look like. But, and it's also like a really hard space to get into because it was a secret room. Yeah. Many staff and wedding guests have reported seeing something moving in there out of the corner of their eyes. Oh, no. Yeah. There's a story from a specific florist. One day a florist was setting up for a wedding with a few employees and heard what sounded like a bicycle bell. She continued setting up and felt a rush of air and something swoosh past her. She looked and nothing was there. Oh, spooky yeah. child ghost with the bell. Ding, ding. Three other nearby workers also heard the noise, saw nothing and they couldn't figure out where it had come from the florist then ran to the museum's office and they had to calm her down because she was so freaked out oh my god uh many others have reported hearing similar noises and whistling as well and some people think it's edsel well edsel ford yeah well well edsel ford just running around there yeah just playing with his bike ring ring Mm -hmm. so those are the specific stories there are a lot of um not a lot, but there are some theories out there about like who, you know, the different thing people could yeah. be. Nothing's concrete or anything like that. Like I said, there have been like a few paranormal style tours. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so that's basically it about the Ford Paquette plant over there on Paquette Street in the Milwaukee Junction area. Nice. Yeah. So my source is really quick. Wikipedia. Um, one quote from a book called Wandering into Brave New World by David Leon Higdon, uh, FordPiquetteplant.org, a free story called um, Paranormal Ghost Ford Piquette Plant, an article from the autoblog.com, Ford Piquette Plant Haunted, and Ford, FordMotorHistory.com. Interesting. Like, I'm glad you did this because like, the Paquette building, again, it's one of those buildings you hear about all the time but don't really know a ton about. So it's kind of yeah. nice to have, like, some points of reference and like what actually went down there. Is there. Yeah. yeah, no. And um again, I've heard great things about the tour. So Yeah. No, I'm very like as you're talking about I'm like, oh, I miss a good museum. Yeah. I've decided that like I think Agreed. my like if I'm like planning my like dream night out in Detroit for when the world opens back up, 
it's gonna be dinner at like Mexican Village, like or Mexican Fiesta. What I forget what the name of the restaurant is, but dinner in Mexican Village, Mexican. It's either Mexican Fiesta, Mexican Village, or Mexican Town. Are you talking about Mex- Mexican Village, the one that's real close? Yes. To Corktown? Yeah. Yes. Then are yeah. there, and then go to the DIA for some live music. That is my hmm. dream night in Detroit for when the world opens back up. Fair. That sounds lovely. Yeah. I don't know what I'll do. I'm too tired. Fair. <laughs> to the reason that I thought out. about... Uh, we were talking on Friday of like we wanted a good Mexican food, but like mm-hmm. no, but there nowhere good was delivering, and so I'm like, ah, oh, I just want like a steak fajitas from Mexican Village. That sounds so doesn't that sound so good? I well, I want shrimp fajitas. Fair, get whatever I love. You get whatever fajitas you want. <laughs> just get some fajitas. I do want fajitas though. I, right? Oh. oh, darn it! Now I want a fajita. <laughs> Well, it'll take your mind off of it. You want some two truths and a lie? Yes. Okay. So I've been binging Sailor Moon lately. And I know mm-hmm. you've seen some of it. Like you have, right? Oh, I was an avid watcher when I was in high school. Okay. That yeah. like I know you it's had some experience. Fair. It's been interesting rewatching it because like they I didn't realize how heavily they had like edited and redubbed the American version, the original American version, because the one that's on Hulu now is like, it seems like the Japanese cut of the show and then they redubbed it to be like a more like exact translation. Okay. So it's very interesting to watch now because they redubbed it in like 2014. Like this came out like late 80s, early 90s. Okay. Mm-hmm. But here are my three Sailor Moon facts. I'm nervous. This is from a Screen Rant article. I think I'm I'm nervous. Okay, go. <laughs> okay, fact number one. Uh-huh. Luna and Artemis are not from the moon, but are rather anal- uh, aliens from another planet. So Luna okay. and Artemis being the cats. Mm-hmm. The black cat and the white cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, fact number two. The show's creator, Naoko, Naoko Takeuchi, mm-hmm. uh, was inspired by the Power Rangers when creating the show. Okay. And fact number three. The Sailor Guardian's attacks have a very different names in the Japanese and English version of the show. I think I have a confession. Yes. I feel like I've read this article. <laughs> Fair. Because I know number one and two are true. Okay. And I think it's Sailor... You said Mars? I think it's Jupiter. No, I was just saying the one. Sailor Guardians, just in general. The attacks have oh, very different names okay. on the Japanese and English version of the show. So you're saying that's the lie? I'm saying number three is the lie because I feel that like is the lie. even if I haven't read that, I feel like I've read those other two facts. I don't know when. Yes. So um, three, <laughs> three. You're right. That is the lie that they have. Okay. Different, the um the attacks are in both versions of the show. They're in English. So if you're oh, watching the okay, I got I got okay. Yeah. If you're watching the Japanese version, they still say like Moon Prism Power Makeup. Weird. Uh, and it's that kind is of, a good lie, though. Right? Like, I think... You would expect yeah. that to be true, but, like, it's kind of, like... I don't know if it was especially of the time or just, like, in general in anime that, like, mm-hmm. creators like to use English sometimes just because it does sound so different from Japanese and so, like, the Japanese audiences aren't expecting it, kind of. It's, like, the vibe I got from it. I think that's... Yeah, I mean... It kind of makes sense because we do the same yeah. thing with, like, you know, the people get, like, 
kanji or Chinese symbols tattooed on their body, and like it means strength. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, pop off, sis, I guess. But like, <laughs> so yeah. So uh, one is true that Luna and Artemis are aliens from another planet. They're from mm-hmm. a planet called Mao, and they apparently have human forms. And wasn't there like a comic book series or something that went into that detail or some something? I think it was in one of the mangas. I don't know okay. which one. But yeah, so then fact number two, Naoko Takeuchi, the show creator, was she wanted to create superhero a, cre- a superhero team like the Power Rangers with all females. So mm-hmm. that was her inspiration. And then I should have a couple fun facts. Yes, please do. Despite being dis- depicted as cousins in the American version of the show, Sailor Uranus and Sailor Neptune were in a same-sex relationship in the original series, oh. in the manga. No, in the manga, it was, like, very clear. They put it right in the open. Mm-hmm. They're lesbians. Yeah. Um, and in the original Japanese anime, they didn't explicitly come out and say it, but I guess they used enough euphemisms and underhanded comments that, like, it was very apparent they were lesbian. And then the American version, they're like, they're cousins. <laughs> of course. Cause... Yeah. Eh. It's just, like, one of the things that, like, uh, I never, like I said, I never realized how, like, adapted it was for, like, American audiences mm-hmm. until, like, rewatching it, reading more about it. Yeah. So Sailor Venus is also apparently cursed to never be able to find the love that sh- the Salian Guardians fight for. Because you know how they're, like, they're, we're the pretty Guardians fighting for love, yeah. whatever. So because she was the first Guardian to be awakened, like, to her powers... Mm-hmm. Uh, in an early battle with one of the bad guys, like right before he died, he like cursed her that she'll never find true love. Rude, right? So poor Sailor Venus. Um, uh, yeah. And then there was almost like, like I said, they heavily adapted the show for American audience. They almost just straight up remade it with like Western style animation. I'm glad, they but did like, not. yeah. I wrote, I even think they figure out, like, Mama, this is garbage. We can't do this. Mm -hmm. This looks like shit. So there's almost an American version. I think there's, like, a clip of the pilot episode, like, on YouTube or something, if you're really interested. If you like the series, I wouldn't recommend looking at it, because it looks like trash. (laughs) Fair. But yeah, that is uh, my Sailor Moon Truth, Truths, and a Lie, because I've been binging hard. I'm on episode, like, 33, and I started last weekend. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> thank you. Uh, no, thank you. That was fun. I think yeah. it's the first uh, one I haven't completely bombed in a, a long time. So. Yeah, I like. I love that you have some Sailor Moon references, and like, mm-hmm. it's just been so nostalgic for me. Like, especially because like, I have also just been eating a lot of mac and cheese lately. So I've just been like, <laughs> let me eat my childhood meal, watching my childhood show, <laughs> and my giant blanket hoodie next to the Christmas tree. It's fair. It sounds cozy and lovely it is it's everything it's very hugo it's so hugo right now can i tell you hugo hugo uh, hugo but i think that pretty much wraps us right i i think we are wrapped like like a present for christmas no we yes. already used that one did we really like a hot coke i think we did like a hot cocoa bomb because wrapped you wrap like a hot cocoa bomb people. honey we are dipped in chocolate you cannot find our insides and I am filled with marshmallows. <laughs> yes. Me and my friend Annie were dying the other day. Snapped, she's like, so I Snapchatted her the picture of the hot cocoa bomb. And she snapped me back and she was like, I know someone whose like husband, boyfriend, 
dopey male in their life, did not realize what it was, and straight up just ate it, ate the whole wow. thing, ate the whole thing. And I'm like, what kind of confidence must you have to not think as you're biting into fucking chocolate sand that is cocoa mix that yeah. maybe you're doing something wrong and you manage to eat this entire chocolate thing that is filled with if it's mine a quarter cup of hot cocoa mix like at what point do you not question that yeah i understand the initial bite in like not understanding just thinking it's really big candy because that would be really big candy yeah but, yeah when you get that dry chocolate chalk yeah sensation no no thank you no thank you right return return oh, to sender like, thinking about it makes me like ugh, just cough like, like like i feel ugh. it in the back of my throat now just feel the chocolate sand in my mouth <laughs> and that, that being note. said i'm definitely having hot cocoa tonight <laughs> i haven't had any i don't have any i'm usually not a hot cocoa person but ever since i've been making these bombs i'm just like well i gotta just drink hot cocoa all the time always now that's my thing well because now your hot cocoa is the dabomb.com oh i've made every joke i have made i hope every, so like i'm like this about to be the bomb these hot cocoa bombs are the bomb.com getting bombed <laughs> drinking my hot cocoa bombs okay uh. <laughs> and on that uh, note <laughs> yes last and final uh, note yes if you want to find us on our social medias is it medias or medium i don't know what the plural i think social media anyway platforms Yes, if you want to find us on the internet, Instagram and Twitter is at Detroit Strange, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and our email address is DetroitStrange at gmail.com. Yeah, and if you like the show, if you want to support the show, tell your friends about us, tell yep. your socials about us. Yes. Give us one of those good old likes over there on the podcast platform of your choice. Yeah. You can also visit our Patreon. Yeah, we got a Patreon, we got a Threadless. Yeah. Just different ways you can support the show if you like what we do. Yeah. Got some cool stuff too. Yeah. And uh of course, if you're celebrating any holidays this week, yeah. Have a happy hop I can talk. A happy Christmas because we're bunnies. <laughs> Christmas bunny. Yes. Have a, a happy holiday though. Yeah. Whatever it is. Stay safe. Keep wearing your masks. Yes. And, Have a uh, safe and happy holidays from our yeah. family to yours. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Have yourself a holiday celebration. Socially distanced. <laughs> away. Of course. From now on, you'll be speaking in a Zoom conference room. <laughs> All right. Yep, I was trying that's... to think of something that rhymes and I couldn't. So. Yeah. Until, Until next, next time. time. Stay, Stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was created by Detroit duo Sax and Violence.